When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio is the online provider of all Boston sports. And uh, we have a great show on tap for you. The NHL season is just around the corner. It's September now, Jason, so it feels great to be talking about actual hockey things, especially with the World Cup coming up. We're going to get to the World Cup in a few in a few minutes here. But um, it's good that hockey's pretty much back now, Jason. You can feel it. You can naturally, you can feel it in the air The uh, with football season starting this week and that's Patriots played a big game last night, so for the Boston fans out there, it was huge. But you can you can feel it with football season here. Hockey's right around the corner. The World Cup is here, so it's it's about to get very exciting. Yeah, especially with all those preliminary World Cup games that we're gonna get into, obviously in just a few minutes. But uh, the one thing I want there's, there's a few things I want to touch on Bruins related first before we, we we indulge into the World Cup of hockey, which I think is going to be a spectacular tournament. Uh, the first thing I want to touch on is uh, there were a lot of local guys in town in town today this past weekend for you know the Boston Bruins golf golf charity event that they held and uh, the one thing I want to talk about quickly is Ryan Spooner. Uh, Ryan Spooner made some interesting comments about how he has not been told one way or the other whether he's being played at center, played at wing, and I think this is a big issue. Obviously, the Bruins signed. David Backus this year for a, you know a third third line center role. They are, the Bruins already came out and said that they want Backus to play center, even though Backus can play wing. And uh, you know last year they experimented with Spooner on the wing with Bergeron and Martian. They played him with Krejci a little bit, and Spooner was also the third line center when Krejci went down. Spooner stepped up in this as the second line center role. And I think this is a big issue going into the season. You know you already had Krejci talk about personnel moves, how he was upset that Louis left, and how he's never had consistent line mates. And now you hear Spooner talking, and Spooner's like, well, I, I want to play center. I haven't talked to the Bruins organization in, in, like, in like two months or so. Um, they haven't told me where I'm playing, if I'm playing wing or center, but I prefer to play center. And this could be a big issue going into the season, Jason. Yeah, you know, I'm actually, I, you, before we even started the show, this was a new news to me, so I'm sitting back here reading the article. But, you know, the Bruins have a plethora of centers. You know, they, they also just signed Peter Miller from what used to be Florida, and then now the European League, so... And then they have Dominic Moore, they have Riley Nash, there's a, tons, there's a ton of centers on this roster. 
So you, you have to wonder, you know, with the news that's coming out, and this is why we've been saying, you know, this, the news is going to come fast and furious before the season starts, what the Bruins are up to, because with the plethora of centers that they have, they certainly have options. And I've also heard that Neely hasn't ruled out looking for a defenseman in a trade. Yeah, and that was kind of what I mentioned last weekend, not last the last show that we had about, you know, David Crazy complaining about not having consistent line mates. And we talked about, the obviously, the plethora of the at center that they have that we just rattled off about six centers that they signed this past off season. And as we saw a couple of years back when the Bruins, you know, who are facing cap trouble and had to trade Boychuk right before the season started, I've been wondering if that's the, if that's the route the Bruins are trying to go to and trying, you know, okay, let's sign all these centers, you know, let's see who plays well, who doesn't play well. And that way we have an opportunity to trade one if need be for a defenseman. Yeah. And so, you know what, that's why, I think in a crazy way, the World Cup kind of works to the Bruins' advantage with the centers that they have playing in the World Cup. I mean, we're going to get into it. Bergeron and Marchand have both been impressive. Backus has been impressive at center. So there's a lot of news to work with it. But this is what's going to make it exciting. It's definitely going to make it exciting. But getting back to Spooner quickly, don't you think it's an issue that management hasn't really told him to practice on the wing or practice on center? What his role is going into this upcoming season? I mean, I think that's a bad sign because if Ryan Spooner makes the roster, obviously I think he's going to do, he's going to be professional. He's going to play wherever the coaches ask him to play. But to not even know well, with the month go, with the month away from the season starting, that that's kind of a big deal to me. No, it is it is it is a huge deal because you know, you, Spooner is unaware of where he's going to play, and you have to wonder if really Spooner's name is coming up in a lot of trade talks. That's been the biggest name that we've been talking about forever. It's definitely been one of the bigger names that we've talked about. We've talked about Spooner. we talked about Krejci. Obviously, Bergeron's not going anywhere. David Backus isn't going anywhere. And you know, when the Bruins signed Dominic Moore to a one-year deal, obviously he's looked at as, play- as more of a depth center than he is like a Ryan Spooner-type player. And obviously, Ryan Spooner has a pretty cheap contract, and he put up a decent amount of points. He's really good on the power play. But this just makes me wonder if the Bruins you know, are, going- are looking at this and saying, well, I think Spooner's expendable. And that's why they kind of haven't told him one way or the other to practice wing, to practice center, and this is going to be something to keep an eye on as training camp is fast approaching. You want to make a bold prediction here? Because I'm ready to say that Spooner is going to be the one that gets traded. Well, that, I think it's I think Spooner is going to have a chip on his shoulder, and that's huge because with Spooner playing with a chip on his shoulder, he's going to really show his value in training camp, and that's going to make him a good trade chip. Right, and the Bruins obviously need more skilled wingers. They already have they already have good centers. And last year, you know, the, the, the top six, like Krejci said, he, he didn't really have anyone to play with. You know, Bergeron and Meyerstein were always, you know, exchanging the right wing on that line. There was no one that really stuck out with them. So, you know, it's been – it's interesting to see if, if Spooner does play on the wing to start the season or if he's traded because, you know, he's opening his mouth now. And this is not the first Bruins player to open his mouth and, and question management and question what direction the Bruins are going in. And I know Krejci – Yeah, the last Bruins player ended up back in Russia. Yeah, well, Kokochev did that, and then Krejci just did it, and now Spooner's doing it. And I'm wondering if this team is just frustrated with how things are going. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them in the slightest bit. We've been talking about how this Bruins team has digressed the past few seasons after making that uh, cup run and then losing the President's Trophy. And now players are starting to speak out. It seems like everyone's unhappy. Yeah, you know, um, it's what it's what makes it interesting that's the way to say it is if you see crazy speaking out you see spoon speaking out is it this could be a sign of the dysfunction that is right now the boston bruins 
But it's just it's just mind-blowing to me how some of these players don't know who they're playing with, what position they're playing. And the Bruins obviously signed a bunch of players, like you said, Peter Mueller is on a, a part, uh, you know, a part He's on a, a professional tryout, excuse me there. And they obviously signed Do- Dominic Moore, who you know, who has Boston ties, who was played well on the Rangers. He's played in some big games. He's a good he's, he's a good defensive center. And obviously, obviously makes me wonder too about Noel Chari. And I know Noel Chari is not one of the players you look at as like the Bruins have to have him on the team. But as a fourth line energy guy last year, I thought Noel Chari played pretty well, solid defensively. You know, he takes the body. He's not obviously the most skilled player out there, but for your fourth line center, you're not really looking at like the most skilled player on the roster, anyways. So you look at even a player like that, it's just we don't even know what this team's going to look like opening day. Well, theoretically, and it's just theoretically because, you know, if the way we're discussing this, you would think the Bruins have three spots that are set in stone. Bergeron, Krejci, and Bacchus. The three spots are set in stone. So you have three players fighting for technically one spot unless of a trade is made. you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I see where you're going. And uh, Riley Nash does play center, but it, it does seem like he's going to be on the wing next year. He, I mean, It seems like he's going to be on the wing, you know, from what the article is showing. They're not even mentioning Riley Nash as part of that center discussion. So I'm kind of keeping Riley Nash out of it, but we could both end up being wrong there. He could end up being part of the center group. Um, but with that being said, you have Noel Achari, who you know, you never know. Maybe he is that flexible kind of player who you, he, you could move him. He's just young enough where you can. Dominic Moore seems like that player that's going to have to stay on the team. They just signed him. He's going to be good with the penalty kills. He's a natural center. He's been in the league a long time. So, really, you're talking about a couple of players that, that – how can the Bruins not make a trade? How is a trade not even a possibility? They have players, and they have the trips to do it. If these players great well and play well in training camp, they play well during preseason, how can the Bruins not pull off a move right before the season? Yeah, that's what all the signs point to. Obviously, unless – I mean – I'm not look. I'm looking at Peter Mueller not even making the team. To be honest, he you know he's been playing professionally and overseas the past few years. He had a good rookie campaign, but he hasn't really done much since then. And like I understand the Bruins taking a flyer on him, but I don't see him making the team. To be quite honest, they say he can play wing also, which I think helps. But still, but they still have like we just we keep mentioning this. So many centers, something has to give there. But let, let, let me say this because you know you you just brought up a really good point and I didn't, and I didn't actually say this but Dominic Moore is part of a PTO too so Dominic Moore and Peter Mueller or Miller however you say it are in the no, same I boat. Think, but, I think Dominic Moore has a contract one year like nine hundred thousand dollars. No, you're right. I take that back. Wrong player. I was thinking I was thinking of another player then. Because um, I, I could have sworn the Bruins signed signed another player to a PTO, but I might be wrong. Yeah, Dominic Moore has a has a I guess you can say a guaranteed contract. The Bruins can obviously cut him after training camp but they he, he signed on the dotted line that like he's getting money peter mueller right now is not does not have a contract he just got the invitation to try out and you're right you're right about that I, I was looking at the wrong player with somebody else so but something's gonna give you know i think creature spooner is the one of the, one of the two guys that you look at to get moved if if there if a trade is gonna happen and i would look at spooner more than i would look at creature because you know creature's coming off another hip surgery he's 31 years old his contract's pretty high spooner's pretty young He's, his contract's only like a million dollars or so, and he put up points last year. So I think Spooner's the one that you'll probably have more value right now at this point. So you, and, and that's where, where really where we're saying, you know, um, with Spooner's value plays there. And then you have to say, you know, the, the World Cup's going to play a big role. And I know that we're going to talk about it later, but Tukaras gave up five goals his first game in there for Finland. Something to think about. It's something to think about, but it's also the World Cup of Hockey. He's the best players in the entire world playing together. 
True, but then that means Tuka Rask can't use the excuse he didn't have a defense. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to use an excuse for Tuka Rask, but I'm not going to overblow one preliminary game for Tuka Rask. No, it's just something to keep an eye on and see how he plays the rest of the World Cup. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the World Cup in just a minute, but um, the other thing I want to talk about quickly is what, to be involved with Spooner is that the one thing the Bruins haven't done yet, which they said they wanted to do before the season started, and Cam Neely came out and spoke about it again today, is the contract of Brad Marchand. Obviously, Brad Marchand has one deal and his one year left on his deal, and this is the upcoming upcoming season where it's the last year of his deal. Cam Neely said that they want to re-sign him before the season starts, and the season starts in about a month. Brad Marchand's already you know traveling with Canada for the World Cup of Hockey, so I don't even think he's around. He's not even around. You know the Bruins facility right now is not even around the Bruins personnel, and I know the agent deals with most of like the negotiating and stuff like that. But Brad Marchand obviously has a say in it also, and I'm wondering is what took him so long? You had the whole summer, and why are you coming out now on September 12th and saying you want to re-sign him again? You've had since July to talk to him. You know, I think that it's all coming out now, but I think that they've been wanting to all along. You've heard the rumors all along, all there. So somebody's been leaking something somewhere. But for, I think with the fact that the World Cup of Hockey is starting and the media is getting more involved, I think for Kim Neely, it's the right, it was the right time to say, hey, you know, listen, this is what we're trying to do. This is our game plan. We're trying to resign him. I don't think it was anything like a major big deal. I think they've been working it all season, all off this season. I would assume they're working, they've been working on that contract. But they, I think that they're saying outright that they're trying to do it before the season because maybe they are making progress. Yeah, so let me ask you a hypothetical question here. So say the Bruins go into this season right now, right, obviously without re-signing Brad Marchand. Are you worried? No. Not one bit? Not one bit. I'm worried. I would be, wor- I would be worried if I was a Bruins fan and they don't re-sign Brad Marchand before the start of this season because I think Brad Marchand is going to continue where he left off last year. And I know he scored 37 goals and – Scoring 37 goals in the, in the National Hockey League is, is not an easy thing to do. But you you realized last year how important Marchand is to this team, how good he plays with Patrice Bergeron. And if he goes into this year, right, and has another big year and the Bruins don't sign him, look at all the contracts that players got. Milan Lucci got $6 million. Louis Erickson got $6 million. David Backus got $7 million. If you hit the open market, people are going to overpay for you. And Brad Marchand is going to be 29 years old in the prime, of his co- prime, prime years of his career – scoring all these as a bona fide goal scorer. He can play defense. He can penalty kill. He's an agitator. Someone's going to overpay for him. So I think if the Bruins don't sign him before the season starts, there's something to be worried about there. It is something to be worried about unless we want to put too much into the fact that he's playing with Patrice Bergeron. Maybe maybe he's playing really well because he's playing with Patrice Bergeron. With that being said, I don't believe that statement that just came out of my mouth. I'm just saying it as a theory. I think that Marshawn is a huge scorer. I think that the Bruins do need to sign him, but I'm not going to be overly concerned if it's at the start of the season. If they don't sign him by, like, November, that's when I would start to get concerned. Well, I mean, you look at it, and I mean, I understand Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron go hand-in-hand, hand and, you know, they both have, like, played well off each other, But and Marchand's always played with Bergeron, but I think if you put Marchand, you know, I'm just going to throw, say, Pittsburgh with Crosby. I think he'd do well there. Or even if you put him on a team like, say, Chicago with Taze or, you know, Kopitar in Los Angeles. And I think those are the type of teams that would be interested in Marchand. And I know some teams are obviously have, have cap restrictions and stuff like that. But if you put you, you, if you go into this, if you're going into the offseason trying to sign Brad Marchand, you're obviously looking at Brad Marchand as one of your top-line guys. So no matter where he signs, he's going to be playing with top-notch players. Yes, no matter where he signs, he is playing with top-notch players. This is true. 
But, you know, if you look at that candle line, you just mentioned Sidney Crosby and Bergeron, Crosby and Marchand would be a, a, a great line together in that aspect. So I do think you bring up a great point that Marchand could play with anybody given the right talent pool. And that's why the Bruins need to be smart and they cannot waste this talent. And if they don't sign him, then Bruins fans should be worried unless if there's a plan to try to take advantage of that value and trade him in the deadline, which it means that they'll be getting something for him in the end if they don't make that same Louis Erickson mistake twice. Right, and you just look at, I just look at Marchand too, right? And obviously last year the big free agent was Steven Stamkos with Tampa Bay. And you saw how much Tampa Bay was sweating it out with Stamkos because, you know, Stamkos had hit free agency and had a meeting with tons of teams. And there was, and there was in doubt if Stamkos was going back there. And if you're a Bruins fan, I don't think Bruins fans want to have to deal with that. You know, they've let a lot of players from their core go over the past two years. You know, Lucic, Erickson, Boychuk, you know, they've let a lot of these guys go. Ference, you know, even though Ference was getting older and stuff, I'm, like Gimlin left, Horton, they traded Sagan. A lot of these guys, like, they're, they're skilled core players that, you know, were important to them have left this team. And I think if the Bruins lose another one, you're going to sit there and start shaking your head going, what the hell is going on in Causeway Street? Like, wh- why can't the Bruins figure this out to sign one of their better players? And that's what makes it interesting because of the fact that, you know, watching a World Cup of Hockey right now, you've, you're noticing it. Louis Erickson, I'm getting to look at, like, a mistake the way he's playing with the Sedins. Yeah, Louis Erickson's playing well right now with the Sedins. But, like, and that's the thing I'm worried about is that Marchand, if he gets to the open market, is going to get paid. Big time. Yeah, I know. Marchand will get paid top dollar. It's what he's worth, especially right now, and he's going to continue that. You've, you're already seeing it in the World Cup with Marchand and Bergeron, the way Marchand's playing. He's making an impact. There's not a doubt in my mind Marchand's worth top dollar. So I think Cam Neely should be sitting there sweating and should just say, Marchand, whatever you want, you got it. I would say whatever you want, but there's going to be a common ground there. There's going to be a number that Marchand's looking at or something along the lines like that that could be a common ground. Like, yeah, it's about 7.25 per year. Yeah, why can't you say, okay, you can get, yeah, 7.7 7 million. That's pretty much what Bergeron makes. That's what Krejci makes. He should be in that ballpark. He's just as good as those players. I think he's just as critical to the Bruins. I think right, I think right, I think right now, you know, um, I think Marchand's worth right now a little bit more than Patrice Bergeron. I don't think Marchand's worth more than Bergeron. Not one bit. But, like, I understand, but Bergeron signed his contract earlier on. Do you know what I mean? Bergeron signed his contract a few years before the market, you know, started changing. And I think if Bergeron... So, so Marchand's value is the same as Bergeron's value was back then. That's what I'm saying. He's Marchand's in that range, right in that range, right. if not a little bit higher. Right. I think he should be right in Bergeron's price range. Like David Krejci, the 7.27 million, right around... He's, he, he's worth more than Krejci. He needs to be paid more than if Krejci. If he gets paid more than Krejci, that means he's making more than $7.25 million. And I think that's a really lot to pay for, for Brad Marchand. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but... I think if you if you come into come into it with saying here here's you know five years seven million for 35, 35 million over the next five years I think that's pretty good. It is, it is a pretty good offer if it is but you know if he has a great season this year and if he's not signed he's getting eight million tops. Well, that, well that's why I'm going to be worried if he doesn't get signed by the opening day because he needs to be because if you look at it you, that's when you get worried because what if he continues where he left off last year and see what happens if he set up thirty seven goals he scores forty. His price tag is going to keep rising, and that's why I think Neely and Sweeney should try and get it done before the season starts. So that way you have him locked up, and that way if he goes out next year and scores close to 40 goals again, you look at it and say, okay, well, we have him locked up. Good. We know what we're getting from Martian. Pencil him in for 30, 35 goals, and we're good to go. 
I mean, because Marshan's been minus the uh, suspensions, which he played really well last year, even without that suspension. I mean, he's worth what you're going to pay him. And the Bruins need to make that decision now of what he's worth and give him that money. And even if they are going to $7.25 million, you know, they got to think long-term that if he's going into free agency and he has a great year like he did last year, he's getting paid $8-9 million in free agency. I don't have a doubt in my mind about that. Someone's going to pay stupid, crazy money to get Especially him. since the Bruins are trying to rebuild their farm system right now, and they've they've drafted pretty highly in the, in the past few drafts. They have some prospects coming up to play wing. And, you know, they still have Pashnik on the rookie deal, Vitrano. You know, they have a lot of these players that are, are young and skilled and up-and-coming guys. So I think if you sign Bashan right now, it's not going to affect you long-term for the cap. No, because long-term, and see, you're bringing up a really good point because we're seeing this thing, we're seeing some of these things showing up in the World Cup of Hockey with some of these Bruins players. Long-term, the Bruins are looking pretty good, but they still need to make it back to the playoffs now for it, so we need to be able to keep his job. That's the most important thing right now. As if Sweeney wants this point to come through, the Bruins need to make the playoffs. And, you know, in a way, the Bru- I'm rooting for the Bruins to make the playoffs because if the young kids are playing the way that they're Looking like they're going to play, I want to see it. I want to see what the Bruins have in the next two or three years. Exactly, and obviously you want them to get back to the playoffs, and if they don't, well, what's the point of of uh, Sweeney rebuilding? Because they'll probably be fired next year if you don't make the playoffs. So, And somebody else will be uh, that lucky guy that gets those young players. Yeah, someone else will be that guy, but then what if someone else you know, wants to you know, retool the whole system and he doesn't like Brad Marchand? You just look at this and you say, it's a dicey situation. No, it is. It's a very dicey situation, and, you know, that's what's going to make this year for the Bruins very exciting. It's going to be very, very important to that, that the Bruins start off and become a better club, and they need to play a lot hungrier. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of question marks going into this year. You know, they have David Krejci's injury, Tory Krug's injury. You know, David Krejci's questioning the lines. You have Ryan Spooner not know where he's playing. Brad Marshall doesn't have a contract. They didn't upgrade any part of their defense. You know, is Tuka Rask going to have a bounce back year, or is he going to, you know, keep keep being a baby. There's a lot of question marks going into this year for this Bruins team. Who's going to be the fourth line center? Who's going to make the team? Which young players will, you know, be sent back down to Providence? There's just a lot of stuff you look at and you just go, what's going to happen this year with this Bruins team? It makes it makes training camp, to me, ten times better going into this season. Training camp right now is crucial for these young players because the veteran players are in the World Cup at the moment. It is crucial for these young players to show what they are worth. Because they're going to get they're gonna get opportunities because, you know, they're Krejci's like, I don't think Krejci's going to play because he's still coming back from injury. Backus is with Team USA, like you said. Bergeron and Marshall are with Team Canada. There's a lot of forwards. Krejci and Pasternak are in Czech Republic. Exactly. So there's a lot. Charles on Slovakia. Well, I'm talking about I mean, just forwards for right now. There's a lot of forward situations that are open for, for people to take the jobs. And that's why this offseason right now it's probably the most important offseason and right now so far i think that we have more questions than we do answers and i know neely thinks that we have a better club but of course neely's gonna say that yeah what is he supposed to say our team stinks we're not gonna make the playoffs you've been, you're better off not buying tickets obviously he's not gonna say that yeah, he can't it's not impossible but that's i mean you can't say truly neely feels like we have a better club we have more questions than we do answers as of right now we 100 percent have more questions than answers 100 percent have more questions than answers. And that's why I keep talking about it. I keep wondering what's going on here. And, and that's why that we're sitting here what, looking at news, talking about what are the Bruins going to do at center. I mean, you got six centers sitting there, but where's that money gone towards the defense? And that's why I, that's why we, I wanted to start the show talking about Ryan Spooner. 
because I think he's going to be the guy that is going to be crucial whether or not the Bruins get a defenseman or not. I look for Ryan Spooner, hopefully, to have a good training camp. A team looks at Ryan Spooner and says, hey, the Bruins have a – have look at their roster. They already have – they have about six centers. Ryan Spooner's a cheap option. He can put up some points. Let's let's trade for Spooner. That's just my thought process. I don't I, – that's my opinion. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. No, unfortunately, it's just to wait and see. But we're going to figure out in the next two or three weeks what's going to happen. Really, this this next month is going to fly by with what's going to happen. I mean, when you think about it, we're 30 days away from the hockey season start, starting. 31 days, huh? 30. 30. Wow. It's Like I said, it's really creeping up on us. The month away in the World Cup of Hockey, which we're going to talk about in just a second, is, is making things go by even smoother, I feel like. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that they're putting some of these pre-tournament games on ESPN and letting us watch them on ESPN3. It's making time fly by. It's getting us excited. And you know what the cool part about this is? Most of those games have been intense. They have been intense. They've been really, really intense. And I don't know if people have been watching the preliminary games. I know it's kind of tough to watch because some of the, some of the you know, um, channels have been hard to access. But, wow, it's been absolutely phenomenal to watch. And these are just the preliminaries. The, the USA-Canada game that was an exhibition game was Bad blood. That that went on ESPN specifically, though. Yeah, one, is what we're about that to talk was a about. bloodbath, an absolute bloodbath to start the exhibition tournament for USA and Canada. You would have thought that was the gold medal game with the way they were playing. There were bodies flying everywhere. You know, people were uh, sliding in front of the net to block pucks. That back and forth action. That was like a Stanley Cup playoff game seven game. Ryan Kessler gets ejected. Logan Couture, Logan Couture ends up getting knocked out of the game. Uh, Jonathan Taze, you know, fought Kessler because of that hit. There was all- Bergeron scored. Bergeron and Marchand looked good. I mean, there's a number of storylines you get from that one game. Backus, you heard Backus's name come up, come up a lot he on hit, ESPN. Yeah, he hit his old teammate Petrangelo and absolutely knocked him off the off the puck through the boards, it seemed like, with how hard he hit him. And I think that's something to look forward to, but I don't think that that USA-Canada game was the biggest surprise for me. No, it's definitely not a surprise at all. But, I mean, it's just interesting to see how passionate these players are going to be. Yeah, no, and this is why you have to ask yourself, are these players going to be going to the Olympics uh, next year, which is probably not going to happen. Yeah, that's another, that's another topic for a different day, the, uh, the Olympics there, but we can always look into that a different time. But this, I, I'm, I'm jacked up for this World Cup of Hockey. What do you think about Team North America? Oh, my God. The skill and the speed that, that those kids have is going to be a treat to watch, an absolute treat to watch. The one thing I'm worried about with Team North America is their defense, though. And because they're so young, they don't have a lot of experience. And that's not to say their defense is bad, but I'm worried about them, you know, getting caught up in the moment a little bit and turning the puck, turning the pucks over. But as you saw in these games, they have the firepower to score with anyone. Yeah, they they scored seven goals against Europe. They outplayed that. I forgot who they even played that first game. But they totally crushed him. I believe it was... I think it was Russia. I'm not completely and they sure. And they have Eichel and McDavid playing on the same line. McDavid is freaking insane. He's going to be one of the best players in the NHL next year. Next year, McDavid's going to be one of the best players in the NHL. He is... I didn't realize that. They crushed Europe twice. They shut Europe out that first game. Yeah, they... And scored seven on the next. Yeah, they've been scoring goals at an unbelievable rate. They have, I mean, 11 goals those first two games. Yeah, they have so much skill. Like I said, the one thing that I'm worried about with them a little bit is 
their defense. And it's not that their players aren't defense. It's just that I don't want them to get too caught up in the moment and, you know, feel like they have to do too much stuff and they turn the puck over. It's kind of like when, like you said, when you get, like, an inexperienced player in the playoffs and they don't know what to do with it. And that's why you said you want the Bruins to make the playoffs to get the young guys' experience. And that's the one thing I'm worried about with this team is they don't have the experience. And I know Matt Murray just won the Cup with Pittsburgh, but Matt Murray also is playing on a team that doesn't have Crosby, Malkin, and all players that have been there on the team. True, but I also think that with North America, they have a really, really good coach in Todd McClellan. I mean, they they got really lucky with that to have him as a coach because he's going to really help coach up these players, develop that chemistry. And that's why the uh, the whole defense part of it, yes, it does worry me a little bit, but it's going to make it exciting. And I, I think Team Europe's the worst team in the tournament, unfortunately. And I understand why the NHL did it was because they tried to grab all the countries that only have one or two good NHL players and stick them all together on the same team. But I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with all the rest of the teams. No, Europe Europe doesn't scare me. Uh, Russia and Czech Republic to me are still so-so. I don't know which team, if they're, if they're to me even considered scary. I mean, you know, one of them's playing in the same division as USA and Canada, and USA and Canada's coming out of that division hands down with Jonathan Quick and Carey Price in that. So you look at the other division, though, you know, with Russia, Sweden, Finland and North America, and you don't you look at that, and you can't take one game off because any team can be any team within those three games. Finland and Sweden look like they're gonna, one of the two of them is going to make it. I'm not sure which one. I think and I think a wagon. You think so? You think Sweden's going to make yeah, it? Yeah, I think Sweden's a wagon. They have the best defense, I think, hands down. You know, you know they have Carlson, they have uh, Chalmerson from Chicago, they have Stallman on Tampa Bay, they have Victor Hedman from Tampa Bay. I think they're an absolute wagon. And I think their forwards are good enough. They're skilled enough. They, you know, they have the Sedins with, with Erickson, as we talked about. You know, they have Nicholas Backstrom. They have Philip Forsberg. I just think that team's a team that's going to be. You know, they have Lundqvist and Net. I think that team's going to make it to the next round. And I think, to me personally, I think the next toss-up is going to be whoever whoever beats whoever wins between Finland and North America is the pick that I'm picking to move on. And I understand what you're going to say. Oh, Russia. What about Russia? Russia? I'm not going to say what well, about I know, Russia. Some, I'm with you on some that. Some people might say, what about Russia? And the reason I'm going to say Russia isn't going to make it is because they have the forwards to do it. Their forwards are unbelievably skilled. You know, obviously Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Datsuk. You know, they have the firepower up front to hang with everyone in the tournament. But their defense is atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Their best defenseman is Andre Markov, who obviously is okay on Montreal. But if he's your best defenseman, and you're in trouble. And they have a question mark in goalie. You know, Bobrovsky from Columbus, you know, he didn't really play that much last year. He's a big question mark to me. I just don't think Russia's going to be able to do it. And for some reason, you always look at Russia on paper and go, holy smokes, this team's loaded. And they just never find a way to get it done in any tournament. Look at when's the last time Russia's won a tournament? You can't even think about it off the top of your head because it's been so long. 76. 80, yeah, it's been, it's, I don't know, obviously. It's been a while. It's been a while. And and I'm not talking about World Juniors. I'm talking about, like, with NHL teams. like any, Yeah, and I was talking 76. Yeah, with, the with NHL players. That's the last time. Like, Russia played at, in the last Olympics at their home ice in Russia, and they barely did anything. They came in, like, fifth place. And what I find interesting about that is the fact that, you're right, it's going to be a toss-up between North America and Finland. And that's going to be a game that comes down to speed. 
Uh, I like Pecorine in net when it comes to Finland, if Finland's defense can hold it up. I think Pecorine will end up being the starter. I don't know who can argue against it. He's really been solid in the NHL. He was solid in that first game he played. You know, it's going to be key that USA game tomorrow night to see who's going to win that game in the end. I'm actually at the DVR because I'll be working that night, so I'm going to watch it when I get home. But, you know, that's going to make it interesting. That's what makes this Saturday coming up very exciting because we're going to have to be able to scout some of these games. And the game that I'm going to watch is North America Czech Republic on Wednesday because that game specifically is a toss-up to see, you know, North America is playing someone not Europe. So I want to see how they can be tested against somebody not Europe. I agree with you that Europe is the worst in the um, in the um, tournament by far. I also think that, with that being said, Chara exposed himself on Europe because you can really see that the speed's really being to get to, yeah. be, get to Chara. That's one thing I um, wanted to bring about, talk about, too, and I'm glad you brought it up, is I know they're playing Team North America, and we just talked about how Team North America has speed, speed, speed. You look at their team, Gaudreau, you know, Eichel, Larkin, McDavid, you know, Shifley, Brandon Saad, the team's very, very quick. A lot of quick forwards. Austin Matthews. And I think that's an issue for Chara. And as we saw last year, Chara's going to be 40 years old this year. The game is changing. Chara used to be the guy that would, you know, be a big penalty killer, block shots, you know, take the body on people. But he can't keep up anymore. And it's it was glaring. And even the analysis were picking up on it, too, and saying that Chara can't hang with this team. And that's a big issue for the Bruins this year because – they didn't improve their defense, as we've talked about on this show, quite some it time. Is, it is it is huge. The Bruins are playing with pretty much, if you if you, if you, if, we, if we want to sit back and say, okay, you know what, Charles is not going to be the same player. He doesn't have the speed. He cannot keep up with the speedy teams. You're pretty much saying the Bruins are going to be playing every single game with five defensemen. That's what we're pretty much thinking in the back of our heads. We're playing with five defensemen holding on to Charles. Right, and I love Charles, and everyone loves Charles in Boston. And, but sometimes it's just... When it comes to the game of hockey, and I'm going to sit back and agree with you, Mike, on this one. I love Chara as a person. Chara was great for the city. He was great in that 2011 Stanley Cup run. I had the utmost respect for, for Chara. But when it comes to calling it as I see it, and what I think is best for the Boston Bruins, I do not look at that and say, right now, today, 2016, Chara is what's best for the Bruins. He is not. He is on his way out the door. And he's going to be exposed this year. He's going to be expo- exposed in the World Cup. And that's going to be something that NHL coaches pick up on and take advantage of when it comes to putting their first speed, speed lines, the speed lines against Charles' line. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge... They're going to go at it all night, every night. Yeah, and it's going to be an issue. And you start, you, like, I, you really started to notice Charles' you know, speed diminishing was when the Bruins played Chicago in the Stanley Cup. When Taze and Kane were kind of having their way with Charles a little bit. And it's not to say Chara was awful in that series because he wasn't. The Bruins, you know, they lost in six games. It was it was a great series. But, you know, Taze and Keane were going right at Chara. And they weren't afraid and they weren't intimidated. And I kind of think since then, you looked at it and you said, okay, Chara, Chara's losing something here. And you can't... Well, think about, think about it. That year after, he had that knee injury. Yeah, he did. And then from there, and right? Am I correct? Yeah. It was that year after, correct? Yeah. Okay, and then after that, we everybody said there was not one doctor or one person or one announcer that said Chara's going to come back from this knee injury and be the same player. He is not that that knee is never going to fully heal. It's never going to be completely healed. He is not the same player, and that's the, and it's really hard because people who are fans of Chara and they're and they're play, they watch this game as fans. They don't understand that. It's the hardest thing to understand. Chara's one of your favorite players. I get that. Chara was one of my favorite players. Believe me. And he's 
as a person, he'll be one of my favorite people that ever, ever played on this team in these last six years. But when it comes to the Bruins and what's best for his team, it's not Chara. No, it's not. It's not Chara. And it's, 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 it just happens. Father Time gets a hold of you, and you can't do anything about it. But And that's the one thing that, that should be worrisome for Bruins fans is that Chara is still your number one defenseman on this team. I understand they just signed Krug, but Tori Krug is not as good defensively as Chara is, and he's not as big. I don't think he can handle the minutes that Chara used to be able to handle. And that's the problem. Is the Bruins- and, this, and the problem with this is now, you, now you're beginning to realize it, and we're beginning to realize it. The Bruins need to trade for a defenseman. It's the number one priority on this team. I don't care if it's the number two defenseman, but they need to get somebody so that if, when Chara goes down, they can come up and be that number one defenseman. And yeah, they need, well, they need someone to be the number one defenseman anyways. And like you said, even if it's the number two, the Bruins don't have a number two defenseman either. True. And I keep on saying, look at all these young players in North America. Jacob Truba. I mean, Matthew Duma is not on North America. But I, the name Matthew, Matthew Duma is a back-of-my-head name from the Minnesota Wild, who I loved watching in that Winter Classic. Yeah, absolutely. Duma was great to watch. But it's just, it's just frustrating to look at around the league about how other teams have top-notch defensemen and the Bruins just don't seem to have it. And I understand everyone talked about how, you know, they were, the price was too high. The price was too high. You look at Edmonton trading Taylor Hall for Larson. It's like the Bruins just needed a body. And they, all they did was they re-signed John Michael Lyles, who's not going to get it done. No, and you know what? And I'm just sitting back and I'm looking at this fact that the next the next game Europe plays is against Sweden. And we were just discussing about Sweden. And I was thinking of the former Bruins that are on Sweden. Louis Erickson. Carl Soderberg made an impact. And you just think to yourself, what if the Bruins made a couple of different moves a few years ago and caught on to like the Carl Soderberg and made moves to get rid of other players? How different this could have been? How they could have held on to this team? Yeah, you look at it. It's just it's it's interesting to see though. But let's get back to the World Cup quickly after we just went on a quick rant with the Bruins' defense, which I, which I think we do every show, but rightfully so. Until something happens, I think we deserve to crap on the Bruins' defense. But getting back to the World Cup of hockey quickly, so. Who, who do you have making it to the, the semifinals of the, of the World Cup of Hockey? Because you kind of just talked about it, but just for, you know, another um, heads up there. I, I'm going to go with Canada and USA from one group, and I'm going to go Sweden and Team North America from the other group. I'm going to go – I, can I, can I can, is there a way that I can do this without agreeing with you? No. I'm going to go Canada, USA, and I like Sweden and North America. I think that North America's got that young talent. I think that I'm going to be interested in seeing the fact that I'll go with the, my final predictions first. And, you know, I I want to call it upset, but it's going to all depend on how the rounds play out. I could see North America, if they get the right bounce, getting uh, getting to the finals. I would love to see it. I just I just think it's going to be tough for them because I think they're going to have – I think they're going to face Canada in the, in the crossovers. And like you said, obviously it depends on how it plays out. But as of right now, my semifinal matchups would be – Canada versus North America, and USA versus Sweden. And my final, my finals right now is going to be Canada versus Sweden. I think Canada's going to win it all. And I just think Canada's too deep, too strong. They have too much firepower. Their defense is solid. They have great coaching. They have good goaltending. They just, you just look at Canada and you just say, wagon. Like they, they have every line that can beat you. They have the defense to do it too, and. It's crazy how good Canada is. I'm going to say Canada wins it all with Canada and Sweden in the finals. You know, just because I'm one of those fanalists, I want to root for Canada and USA in the finals. 
You're gonna refer- I think it would be amazing to see that matchup again. I think USA could pull it off against. Yeah, Sweden. it definitely would be. No one would complain if it's USA versus Canada in the finals. And you got John then Quick in that. And he's he's already won two Stanley Cups. So you're talking about John then Quick versus Carey Price. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be a great matchup. No one would ever want to not see USA Canada. I just think Sweden's too good. I think Sweden's. I think Sweden's is a smart upset pick though, because I think Sweden's stacked. I don't think Sweden would even be an upset. But who's in net for Sweden? Lundqvist. Okay. At that point, I'm gonna pick. I'll pick quick over Lundqvist. I think that's for me. I think Sweden's defense is better though. Agreed. I think Sweden's defense is better, but I do think that the U. I think that the U.S. is strong in that. And you saw from that first Canada matchup how well John the Quick played when he got many shots on that. I mean, think about it. He had twelve. He had the first twelve shots on net against him, and he saved them all in that first period. No, I'm not. I'm but not that, that to, was just, that was just one game. Yeah, I'm not trying to diminish Jonathan Quick here at all. I just think Sweden overall as a team is more deep in. On pa- on paper, Sweden's deeper. And that's just my point there. That's why I have Sweden going to yeah. the finals. It's not anything against USA. Obviously, I'm going to be rooting for Team USA. I'm rooting for Team USA and Team North America. Hopefully, to make it both in the finals, so that way, you know, I, uh, USA teams will. Both, I mean, USA players will be coming home with the gold. I just don't think that's going to happen. It's a hard one to predict, but because you predicted Canada, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go USA to bring home the gold. No, I absolutely understand why you why you're doing that, and no questions about it. You should you should have feel confident in that because it's these tournaments. It's all it is is one game. You it takes one. No, you're talking best of three. No, so in the finals, it's best the of finals. Three. Yeah, yeah, but like everything else is one game, so you can have one one. Now I might want to re- now I might want to rethink that. Now that we're thinking it's the best of three, I keep on forgetting that it's not it's not like the Olympics where it's just a gold medal. But yeah, I, I understand that. But you look at it like this: like, hockey's a weird game. Get into the championship, you can have one thing go your way, like one bounce or something like that, like one penalty go your way, and all of a sudden you're in the champion. All of a sudden you're in the championship game. And you're, and you're talking all NHL rules, not international rules. So right, and you and you look at um, excuse me, the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? And you look at the team, something always goes right for the team that wins it all. Whether it's a good bounce or a lucky break, something always happens for the for that team to figure out a way to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And that's how I feel like this tournament's going to be like, because the teams are pretty even, you know. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, though. No, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch. I'm going to try to DVR as many games as I can. I don't think I'll be able to watch every single game in that one-week span. But if I can watch as many games as possible, I'm... That's the week that I'm going to be spending most of my time watching hockey. Exactly. exactly. Hockey's back. Hockey is back, and it's great that we're talking about games. We're talking about players, and it's been quite a long summer, but it's back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the truth. Hockey is back. We started our re, our new daily links on the uh, Bruins Beat page for the CLNS website. Hockey's back. We're going to be having a lot of news coming up in the next few weeks just about daily, and this is what's exciting. We've been waiting about six, seven weeks for this, so it's I'm I'm ready for it. I'm absolutely ready for it too. I cannot wait. It's going to be a great year, as you said. We have a bunch to talk about with the Bruins and training camp coming up. We'll have a bunch to talk about with the World Cup coming up. But uh, just quickly, we have a couple announcements to make. Unfortunately, if uh, you've been listening to this show for quite some time now, you realize that Kevin Kevin Majeri was part of this show. Unfortunately, due to uh, another job and t- time rest- restrictions, he will not be uh, with us on the show anymore. We enjoyed having him on. Hopefully one day we can get him on as a guest where, you know, fill in here and there. But Kevin, unfortunately, will not be part of the show anymore. And also going forward, that I'm sure if that some of you have 
are quite aware of this also is that we've had uh, Joe Gill on this show for quite some time, a couple weeks now, you know, who runs the Big Bad Bruins page on Facebook. You know, he's been a great guest that we've had on for quite some time. And he will be joining the show next week full time. Yes, full time. You know, it was a it was a good opportunity for him. You know, we enjoyed having him on the show. The people who listen to the show seem to be very responsive. And the one thing I like about Joe is he looks at this game from a fan perspective, which, you know, me and you are analysts. So to get his perspective as a fan on a weekly basis when it comes to the Bruins, it's going to make it very exciting for the show. It's going to be very exciting to be able to just see him get his page involved and it's going to be it's going to be exciting for our show and not only that we'll be able to bring him on and still have guests for the show as well so this this is a really big opportunity for our show and we're, we're gonna have a lot of good opportunities yeah we'll definitely have a lot of good opportunities and we're still gonna try and get guests on you know obviously we had mark Allard on a few times you know he's been great to our show also so we're look we have a lot of a lot of stuff to look forward to this upcoming season with uh with this podcast with this show a lot of changes, but great changes. Changes for the better, I feel like. Even though we're losing Kevin, which is going to be a big loss, we have other things in line that I think are going to help this show and enhance this show and take it to the next level. Yes, and we're going to probably get. We're going to be trying to get back to our Sunday routine starting next week. I know we're recording this on a Monday, but we're going to try to get back to our Sunday routine with the season starting. It's going to be good to get back well, into a with routine. The, with the season starting, will definitely be Sunday nights. Obviously, you know, up until the season starts, we're still going to have a couple occasional Monday shows, especially with. Uh, trying to adjust the Joe schedule, but for the most part, we'll get back to the Sunday routine. Absolutely, and that's what's going to make this exciting for the show, and you know, like I said, it's going to be very, it's going to be very exciting to see the fan perspective, and we are excited to have Joe on next week, and to really get the show on the road. Exactly, because Joe's passion, Joe's a passionate fan, and me and you are passionate analysts, so I think it's going to be a great dynamic for the show. Exactly, and I, I couldn't say it better myself. But absolutely, well, so next week, we'll talk, we'll break down some World Cup of Hockey games, Hopefully we'll have some more Bruins training camp news as uh, you know other players will be coming to the Boston area to get ready for training camp. So uh, we'll have a we'll, have a, we'll be uh, bringing you right up to the first game and analyzing every move that happens with this Bruins, every World Cup it's, uh, situation that happens as well. So uh, we'll be talking to you next week. You can uh, follow myself on Twitter at MikeSetta22. You can follow Jason at JasonBuckley91. You can also follow our Bruins uh, Beat podcast on Twitter at Bruins underscore Beat. Very active on that. We tweet about that. We tweet. A bunch of stuff from that from that um, account on a regular basis. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, and also you can uh, find us on iTunes, right, Jason? Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Bruins Beat Podcast. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on Facebook for the people who want to like our page. We're at CLNS Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. And like I said, stay tuned. We got a lot going on. We're gonna be I'm, I'm going to be trying to po- be posting tweets and promotions and everything else we can do for the show. Almost daily. Starting tomorrow. Absolutely. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.